0: So I, so I wandered off, and that that actually repeated itself over and over again. Where I would just, if there was any uncertainty, I would go, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> opening ceremonies of the Olympic Games had a ticket for those opening ceremonies. Wow! And uh, a few years prior, I had raced in the sport of luge, and at those opening ceremonies in Calgary, I watched buddies that I'd raced against in luge, who were in the Olympic on the Olympic team in the opening ceremonies and I was in the stands with a ticket and so you know those real those moments where you realize that that just can't happen again that mm-hmm. moment of discomfort
1: it's a real clarifying it huh?
0: clarifies thing when you're so uncomfortable you go this has to change it has to be different and this walking away from uncertainty changed at that moment at 26 years old and then I decided uh, I'd raced in the. I'd been to one race in speed skiing knew it would be in the Olympic Games in Alberville, France, four years after Calgary, quit everything and just stepped in. Now, I'm not saying I know what it would have made the luge team, but I don't know. And so this, this uncertainty ended up being attached to regret. And uh, I never wanted that feeling of regret again. Ended up not just getting to the Olympic Games, but ranked top 10 in the world at one point. Uh, going into the Olympic Games, I was definitely uh, considered myself in medal contention, and in the final run in the Olympic Games, the gold medal run made all the qualifying standards.
1: Wait, I just hit want to stop you because what I think what? is really interesting. Yeah, and I'll do this a lot. Interrupt him, but, <laughs> but I think what's really interesting is that you started speeds. You started racing when you were very old compared to
0: well, twenty six. Yeah, I st- I knew nothing about ski racing.
1: Yeah, as you and know. you were a very average skier.
0: Yeah. No, it's just a recreational skier, yeah. and um, and then four years later, ranked tenth, gold medal, you know, or medal is
1: number one fastest yeah. skier. Yeah,
0: yeah, record, multiple record holder, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but I made a, I hit a bump in the Olympic Games, no second chance, dropped down to fifteenth place in the Olympic Games, and it, actually, what what you might not know is I the whole time I was thinking, wait, if I win in these Olympic Games, I could be a speaker, I could. You know, be on the speaking circuit because I was doing a little bit here and there. And I was like, oh, it's, "It's kind of fun."
1: And you're really good at
0: it. Well, I wasn't then.
1: No, no I, was... I know. I remember. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was after you got
0: here. <laughs> right credit. Yeah. yeah, got it. Check. So the the whole speaking. This is a fact. The good idea won't go away. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kept thinking the speaking business had something there. So. I went to the National Speakers Association convention where we met, and everything changed at that moment. Not just you know professionally, but obviously we had that long distance relationship. I moved down to Dallas, and here we are, just about to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary.
1: Do you remember the date?
0: (laughs) No. I know it's coming up. Just give me a little tickler on the uh, Uh, calendar.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. So all right. So let's just keep going you, you do all this incredible stuff, right? You, yeah. you, you go to the Olympics, you put your mind to it. Um, let's talk about Lee Pulos, Dr. Lee Poulos yeah. and how you kind of, how you even got to the Olympics, what you did,
0: right? It's so important just to attend calls like this mm-hmm. or to attend events or whatever, because there was one innocuous event where Dr. Lee Pulos was presenting and he said something that changed my life. He said in a second of time, your conscious mind is processing with 2000 neurons while in the same second, your subconscious mind is processing with 4 billion neurons. So the conscious mind is worrying away. You're thinking of what I have to say. You're thinking about the next question you're going to ask. I am. I'm
1: actually looking at (laughs) that right now. You
0: know, whatever you're thinking and what that guy looks like. What did you say? I look like the old man from up. Uh Yeah, that's (laughs) fine. And so whatever you're thinking consciously is with 2000 neurons. In that same second, 4 billion neurons subconscious below awareness is firing off. So who's in control? And so when Dr. Lee Pulo said that, I eventually realized that's the exact same ratio between an ant and an elephant, and that's why I wrote the book The Ant and the Elephant because the ant is on the back of the elephant and it has to be a parable. It just has to be because the ant doesn't know he's on the back of an elephant. He doesn't know that he's not getting west. He's intending on going west. He's on the back of the elephant going west, but ending up east.
1: And the ant is the, is the conscious mind. Yeah.
0: And so the elephant, the subconscious Because mind. there's
1: an equivalent of the size of the conscious yeah. versus subconscious. Yeah, the right? ratio
0: of activity between the ant and the elephant, same ratio between the conscious and subconscious mind. And so looking back at this Olympic experience, looking back at how I was able to align the conscious mind, knowing I didn't know how to ski race, But the subconscious mind takes in information. Like there's a fact. You'll gravitate towards your dominant thought. So the question is, are you the architect for your dominant thought?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Think about that for a second. Is the dominant thought appearing to us? Or is your dominant thought something where you say, this is by design, my design, being able to have influence over what the subconscious mind is thinking? And so that Olympic journey was... I consistently focused on fastest in Canada, top 10 in the world. I'm the fastest in Canada, top 10 in the world. I created a truth. And here's another fact, a universal truth. You'll gravitate to that, which you believe to be true. So are you the architect for that truth? Mm-hmm. Right? So being the architect for that dominant thought and what you believe to be true was so effective in being able to ha- allow the subconscious mind to figure out how I was going to ski race. I, it's, I, I can hardly take credit for being able to, to become a really good skier because I ended up <clears throat> creating this reality that I am top 10 in the world. <laughs> and I just whether do Whether you were.
1: Whether, you whether were, I was
0: or not, the right. conscious mind, the ant goes, that's not true. The subconscious mind goes, thank you. You know? Right. So there's this um, methodology of the ant and the elephant, which plays well to a parable. And, it was an interesting journey to write a book about an ant and an elephant, because then I had to be a writer that had character development, that I had right. to create something where there was, well, then what happened? And, and have a storyline that takes you through this journey. Um, and there's a, it, it, the book did really well.
1: Yeah. So Ant and the Elephant did really well. Do people need to read Ant and the Elephant before they read The Earthquake? The
0: Earthquake, No. No, no, no. In fact, <laughs> I wanted to do the opposite. You know, the you and I have never seen the, the movie franchise. We might have seen the first one, The Fast and the Furious, right? Right. Uh, but you know, all eight other uh, movies are the same thing, like these sequels. And when I was shopping this book around, it, it, <laughs> they said, well, it's a sequel. We've already heard the first one. I said, no, 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 no. This is a completely different story because... It starts with the ant and the elephant experiencing an uh, earthquake. Mm -hmm. And the opening line in this book is there's no linear way out of chaos. When you are faced with some sort of setback, some sort of devastation, this notion that there's going to be a methodology or prescriptive model to get out of this earthquake Mm -hmm. is just uh, false. There there is no linear way out of chaos. And that was actually the biggest challenge in this book was to be able to create a methodology that had the reader go, I hadn't thought of it that way. Right. Yeah. Because there's a lot of advice people give when you go through a personal, let's say, divorce or uh, bankruptcy or certain health issues and friends well-meaning friends will say oh you know that just let go it'll take care of itself you know give it time and all this but when there's pain <laughs> pain is so distracting it's like it's like having a knife in your leg and somebody says oh you know just don't focus on the knife just focus on what you have it's like no because there's a knife in my leg so this is the treatment in the book from a content standpoint really dives into how a person can get past these aftershocks in their life from the earthquake. And so the subtitle of the book is Your Journey from Setback to Breakthrough.
1: And it's a parable again. It's another oh, parable. Yeah. It yeah, continues yeah. the story of mm-hmm. the ant and the elephant. But, so why parables?
0: Yeah, <clears throat> well, parables are a famous, infamous <laughs> way for us to be able to learn stories. I mean, the Bible has a bunch of parables in it. I mean, it's a yeah. great way to teach. And so to have a parable, bring it to life. And I've learned with speaking is if the audience is the observer of content, they um, have to rationalize their connection to that content. So to have a book that's an experience or to have a speech that's truly an experience where you bring them into the story of, what it's like to ski at 135 miles an hour, or what it's like to go through some sort of setback devastation. Uh, You never forget an experience. So think about it for a second. If you have an experience and you Velcro content to that experience, uh, it's internalized and, um, and, and transformative as well. So the parable is such a great tool. Now, I've had people, executives, people I really respect say, oh, you know, and I don't like parables. Well, you've read the wrong parables. (laughs) (laughs) It's like saying, oh, I don't like animated movies. Well, just watch Inside Out by Pixar or Soul or even Toy Story. I mean, you watch those animated films and you start to go, they're unforgettable because it's an experience, but there's also a message inherent in there.
1: I also like a parable because they're usually quick and fast reads. Right. Right. The, right. The...
0: Well, yeah, I like them in a way, but some parables are just fluffy. Right. And fluffy's fine. Fluffy's nice, you know, but I didn't want it fluffy. I wanted you to read this book and go, then what happened? Then what happened? Then what happened? I mean, this yeah. whole, the storyline, it's, 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 I wanted it actually funny enough. The theme was to make it Pixar worthy.
1: Right. Yeah. Right.
0: That, that that I wanted it to be that good of a story that you just had to turn the pages, but infuse this content as we talked about. It. How do you get through this chaos if there's no linear way? OK, so
1: back to the content of the book. So we know why you did it as a parable. But back to the content of the book is because it, it's somewhat autobiographical. Biographical, right it's um,
0: very autobiographical yes right.
1: so uh, you know i tell people when i describe the book it's what it's you know it's the earthquake when the rug gets pulled out from underneath your feet but you've had that happen to you before in the past where the rug gets pulled out from underneath you mm-hmm. and you've picked yourself back up and you've gotten back up and you've made it happen and been successful and so why was this last time so different
0: all right so this is a great, great question actually the uh when you step into something that has you scratching your head, go, wait a minute, what got me here isn't necessarily going to get me there. So I kept assuming this experience of having going from recreational skier to Olympic gold medal round in four years would be a formula to get us through this financial setback. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, this is a way to strain a marriage, I'd say, how about you, is <laughs> 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 to have I made so many bets. It was just like leveraged over here, invest in this over here, invest in this over here. It was all blue sky. I could do anything. I get to the Olympic Games. I get to the New York Times best. I could do it all. And, uh, And totally got caught with the inability to get through this. And it was so frustrating. And then there was stuff that would surface subconsciously. Well, maybe I don't have it anymore. Or maybe I don't deserve it or maybe this is, is just, I'm not the shiny new thing. Whatever was going on in the, the subconscious mind was caustic, it yeah. was insidious in nature. And here's, here's even fact. Know,
1: did you know that you were playing those tapes in your head?
0: I couldn't stop time? it, I knew it and I couldn't <clears throat> stop it. The tapes were going and it was just going, oh, You know, maybe this, maybe this, because I was so frustrated trying to get through this. And so this book did not write itself. It was uh, I had the concept a long time ago when you when there's no linear way out of chaos, but I couldn't figure out how we could get out of this, how I what I had created financially. I mean, uh, you know, creditors calling up saying we want our money and just being able to take the the electricity was cut off. So wait a minute. I got a moment. And the optics outside the outside world, the percent, are fine. They're wealthy or whatever. It was, it was hard. You know, this mm-hmm. now you're learning this. It was just a very, very so, difficult time.
1: So what did you do? I, I know you've, you, you did the solution loop to help get yeah. out of that. So what is
0: that? All right. The solution loop in the book starts with being able to understand there's a relationship between your aunt and elephant that is not working. And so you're
1: not in alignment.
0: You're misaligned. There is discord. And when discord starts to go on. And it that, means, right, just
1: to be clear, discord between the conscious and the subconscious Yeah,
0: mind. Yeah, the conscious, subconscious mind are going in two different directions. Okay,
1: Because you're hearing these tapes in the back of your head. Think of They're us. are not worthy.
0: It's, it's a relationship. Yeah, exactly. And we're in this vehicle together, right? In this relationship. You've yeah. got your hand on the steering wheel. I've got my hand on the steering wheel. And we're, we're trying to figure this out. And so...
1: And I go this way. Yeah.
0: Right. No, no, no. I know the right way. No, I know the right way, which never happens to us. Never. (laughs) And so no, but to be able to have the, the, in a vehicle, the only way this discord will work is if you let go of the steering wheel and create what Harville Hendricks calls the third reality. Right. So
1: that seems so counterintuitive just to let go when you're, going through chaos and falling down right i've right. got
0: this i know what to do i know this so as you follow the storyline you start to realize how stubborn the ant is i've got this i've been here before i know how to do this no, no 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 let me just and so that that undercurrent of the relationship between the ant and the elephant the conscious and subconscious mind or a relationship like this is to be able to create this uh I, the first part of the solution loop is called grasp the contradiction. Simply, a, Simple awareness will bring you forward in terms of saying, okay, this isn't working. What else is there? And it flips you into, well, now the second part is seeking alignment. What could we create that just doesn't exist right now from a financial standpoint, from being able to step into this? And so, as I was going through this financial earthquake, I was dragging the whole family underwater financially. And uh, lo and behold, as I'm recreating my business, you're recreating Glow, and we started to figure out a new. Mm-hmm. And we've never worked together before, which is really wack-a-doodle, right? <laughs> that we
1: wackadoodle. That's a good one. Okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that's new to you. No. Oh. I, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, okay, but go ahead,
0: go ahead. <laughs> okay, she never interrupts. Anyway, so, <laughs> so to have this seek the alignment as the second piece, it then pushes you into to, to be curious, mm-hmm. right? And curiosity is, instead of this being a linear path out of chaos, it is a solution loop saying, well, what are the opportunities available? And because this dynamic is so distracting of your personal earthquake, and for those of you that have gone through that earthquake in your life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's so distracting. It can consume your thoughts, and you're not in that curiosity. So you, then you have to go back to this right. grasping the contradiction, the consciousness of consciousness. what's going on below So you're surface?
1: making a really conscious effort to stay focused on... Um, Yeah.
0: Be curious about just unlimited opportunity, unlimited potential. (laughs) Then the third piece, fourth piece is to be, stay creative. And being creative is in this case is being able to say, well, maybe this might be the solution. And I've done it. I mean, I've created all sorts of, I was doing coaching over here and that it was like, "Nah." And then I created a company called radical safety, which is a great idea by the way, But, you know, the safety landscape was really just not ready for, it's full of engineers and uh, PhDs who are very left brain. And this whole concept about radical safety was a a very right brain type of thing, how we can create the foundation. Anyway, didn't work. So it's really, if you had to simplify the solution loop, it's, does this work? Does this work? Does this work?
1: I think during the the pandemic, we all you know the key keyword and that was used over and over was pivoting right so you just keep yeah. you keep trying new things you keep trying new things yeah. to see what finally hits right? yeah
0: and here let's talk about pivoting and the word reinvention as well okay they're so flippantly used right yeah. just pivot just reinvent right ah, if it's if there's chaos if there's pain if there's a disaster if there's a knife in your leg and somebody says just pivot pivot off the knife in your leg and go, well, no, like reinvent, you know, reinvent is the same thing. It's, it's so trivial to say that. And there's, I, but
1: then to really do it, right. How do you,
0: yeah. And, and, and also in a world of instant gratification, yeah, we expect what we, we want results. Now mm-hmm. we're conditioning ourselves to have instant gratification. That's why there's such a, a rising level of anxiety, especially in our world, you know, uh, on planes. I mean, what's going on? What, what right. is going it's on? It's crazy,
1: isn't it? Yeah. At a
0: very subconscious level, people have anxiety that this isn't happening fast enough. Why isn't this happening? And then there's the, the reminders of a mask on a plane for four hours and this kind of thing. It's like, Argh! you know, this, this, this tendency towards wanting results faster. And um, it's just part of the human condition that we need to supersede right now with being able to say this solution loop will take time. It just takes time. So
1: give yourself a break. So identify, yeah. be curious.
0: Right, grasp, grasp the contradiction.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Being able to then seek the alignment. but,
1: but Grasp the contradiction. Go, go a little bit further, what do yeah. you mean by that?
0: There is a contradiction between what you think is right and what you think you should do, between what needs to occur. And so there's a contradiction between me assuming I know what's right for you in this relationship. There's a contradiction of the conscious mind knowing what's right for the subconscious mind and vice versa, which is the really wacky part about this is because the subconscious mind has a path that it's going down. The elephant is going down a path and it's subconscious and you don't have evidence of it until or realization of it until you see the evidence of where you end up. Right. Yeah, you know, the conscious mind says, "Oh, I want to go on a diet. I want to go on a diet." And then come out of the shower and go, "Ah, this is not working. What's going on?" <laughs> you know, so uh, you know, this 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 stuff that's swimming below the surface can be contradictory to what we really where we want to end up and what needs to occur. And it's basically awareness is the first step. I mean, if someone were addicted to something, some substance addiction, awareness just saying hey this is happening this addiction is something i need to address and so it's along those lines of being able to say okay wait a minute i've been thinking this way the contradictory uh, thought is there's a new direction where does this need to be and <clears throat> that ended up being all the more reason for a parable to occur because then the ant and the elephant can have a journey of self-discovery that the reader can then relate to.
1: Okay. So you talk a lot in the book about going through dark times and having to illuminate those dark times. What do you mean by that?
0: Illuminating dark times (laughs) is the awareness thing, but it's also seeking feedback from the outside. What's Hmm. different about this book as well is I've introduced four new characters, and this evidence from the outside, whether it's feedback or whether it's just their way of being, and you go, "Oh, that doesn't work," you know. Mm-hmm. So to have this whole uh, illumination means you kind of pick your head up from where you're so locked in on the problem and illuminated by awareness.
1: Right. So just allow yourself to say, "Okay, you know what? That didn't work. Let's just let's just let's let's try something else." I want to be curious enough to say. Let's try something else. That didn't work. Let's let's keep going until you finally land on what it is.
0: Staying curious and being creative leads to, you know, does this work? Put it into action. If that action has traction, then there's evidence this may work and get your way out of it, which is not instant gratification, right? There's a slow crawl out of this.
1: I love your example about the die. Tell tell that
0: story. The drop of die. Well, that, yeah. So this
1: Because that all has to do with instant gratification. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's say we had a goal to turn a bucket of water blue, but this is a thousand gallon bucket, right? It's Mm -hmm. huge, clear size. And this, we're excited. You and I are going to have a blue bucket. Can you feel Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. (laughs) So the rule is you can't put more than one drop of blue dye in the bucket per day. So we're excited. We're going to have this blue bucket. We do the blue Yay. bucket dance. <laughs> and we go up to the, this is what it's like all the time. <laughs> anyway, seriously. Anyway, when you come up to this bucket, you, whoop, the die goes in and what happens? dissipates and disappears. And so this, this blue dye, but you know, it's day one. So day two, you come up to the bucket, whoop, dissipates, disappears. Day three, whoop, day four, whoop, day whoop, Every day, you can't catch up the next day with two If you miss a day, you can't catch up the next day with two drops. So you have to put in a consistent effort of blue dye in this bucket. Again, at hand in our society, with this, this unconscious expectation of instant gratification, we can get a week or two into this thousand-gallon bucket and go, this isn't working. And then you go we should try green dye. That blue dye is not working. I went, no, we were, we were intending to do blue. No, we're doing green dye. (laughs) It's like, wait. And so this whole thing can take it in a different direction by not having instant gratification.
1: So how do you know then if you're putting the blue dye in one drop at a time, that that's the right thing or that it's not working and you should pivot and go on to something else? Well, you brought it up
0: earlier, the illumination. I mean, Growing up, when yeah. you were growing up with your brothers and sisters, or, you know an uncle would come in from out of town. Yeah, would, my brother is a year younger, and we'd have uncles come in and, and they say, "Stephen, my brother, you're getting so big." And I went, I'd look at him and go, "He is." <laughs> like, what do you mean? Because you don't see the incremental difference, right? You don't see the blue dye getting bluer, uh, the the bucket getting bluer, so sometimes that illumination happens from the outside and, and that's just part of the deal. So that's why you want to
1: talk to other people. That's why you want to get input. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. You got to go at your front door and you got to talk to people. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So we've got lots of questions that have come in, of course. Um, lots actually. So we've got, and we're going to go ahead and start asking the questions. Okay. Yep. Well, Oh yeah. I'll come back to one of the questions I want to
0: ask. I'm so nervous.
1: Um Okay, so Susan's asking a question. She's out on social media right now. And she says, don't we all have to use our past as a guide to our future? How do we find a way to do something different than what we have done in the past? Aha,
0: that's it, right? <laughs> that's the frustrating thing about it because we can draw off our past right. to influence what our decisions are moving forward into the future. But those decisions may not be working for us. What got us here isn't necessarily going to get us there. And that is infuriating, especially when you're going through an earthquake, the the aftershocks of an earthquake.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Why isn't this working? Then it gets frustrating. So there's, for Susan, there's something laying out there that you're not aware of. And that's the reason to bounce ideas off others. That's the reason for meditation, just to sit back. I think of meditation as a life is like a snow globe that we're just (laughs) in this chaos, right? But the second you take a break and meditate, no thought, then these flakes are smart in a way. And they start to fall where they are supposed to. They have smart, you have smart flakes in your metaphorical snow globe. So many metaphors. (laughs) But as these flakes start to go down, you start to, things fall into place. Yeah, it's, I wish there was a quick answer. There isn't.
1: Okay, so my life is like this, living with him, the the snowflakes and the-
0: It's a holiday up here, come (laughs) along.
1: (laughs) Okay, Brian's asking the question, I love the solution loop. Can you revisit each of the steps? What are the non-linear steps?
0: Right, so being able to grasp the contradiction, the contradiction of what you think is the right way, meaning where the potential, that just an awareness that there's a contradiction between the relationship of your conscious and subconscious mind. The second piece is seek the alignment, seek the alignment of something that's uh, being able to have your aunt and elephant, your conscious and subconscious mind, the relationship headed in the same direction. You seek that. You don't arrive there. It's just this, the that's effort of seeking want. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: How you, do you do that? How do you, you
0: do? How do you go on a journey? How do you step out the front door and just take a step? You know, you figure it out. When we climb mountains in the Himalayas, we, you know, we will. We know where we're going to end up. We don't exactly know how we're going to get there. But you look around, you take a step. So you so seek have, that.
1: So seek the alignment by having it in in mind where you want to be yeah. in the mm-hmm. alignment. Okay. then right. What's the third
0: thing? Yeah. And then stay curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That's a big one. Yeah. Staying curious.
0: Just curious. Just just the it's a dynamic of curiosity. Right. Curiosity isn't uh, a. A series of epiphanies it's just uh, the, the dynamic of being curious is is so critical to setting you up to be creative when you are creative then you can start to say okay my best guess is this mm-hmm. is this business called radical safety okay let's run down that path and see if this is working and if this resonating and um and then wait this isn't working or if it's getting traction and then and then engineers and PhDs at the safety organizations go, this is a great idea. We need this. All right. Okay. Well, there's a good idea. And then you start to get out of that, in this case, the financial setback. Uh, And then um, if the action has traction, if it doesn't have traction, guess what? Go right back. There's a contradiction you're hanging on to, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it plays out in the storyline in this book. Uh, which is is intended to have people go, oh, oh, yeah, stubborn. That's not working, is it? So, yeah. Good question.
1: Yeah. Okay. So next question. Thanks for that one, Brian. So uh, we've got a question from Aaron. The earthquake I've experienced is death of a close loved one. And grief is so clearly not linear or simple. I hate when folks talk about the stages of grief. What role does grief play in getting beyond an earthquake?
0: Yeah. grief and fear are cousins and there's a climber an Everest climber John Amat, and he Mm -hmm. said when you run away from fear it gets larger when you run towards fear it gets smaller so same deal with grief to go towards this is not comfortable but that is because that's where the pain is (laughs) but to go towards it makes it smaller makes it manageable And, uh, but we're not wired that way. We are not wired to go towards pain. Right. Right. Who wants that? Yeah. So there's a, there's a little ski metaphor, if you will, that's kind of fun here. Uh, when I teach people skiing, except you, (laughs) because that did not, we've we've tried, tried it did not work at all. (laughs) Anyways, who knows more about skiing? Apparently her. Anyway, so... (laughs) So, so in skiing, when you're on a perpendicular plane, you're going to be upright. There's a there's a line between your body and uh, from your head all the way through your toes. And if you're perpendicular, you won't fall over. If you lean forward on a um, perpendicular, a flat plane, you'll fall over. If you lean back, you'll fall over. So staying vertical, staying over your feet, staying in that pocket is so critical to having balance. Mm -hmm. When in skiing, you get steeper and steeper, what you wanna be able to do is have a perpendicular aspect to however steep it is. But what's the human condition? I don't wanna fall, I don't wanna go towards pain. So you're gonna lean back. And that happens over and over and again in skiing, people start to get steeper and they start leaning back, then they have no control, then they fall over, right? Or there's a type A personality that eat their young, who, you know, being able to lean forward and say, I'm going to get this. I'm going to crack that. I'm going to be able to crush this. Well, then you're, then you're overextended. So when you overextend, you're going to fall as well. The, it, the, the, to really thrive, no matter the speed or the aspect of where you are in life, similar kind of thing, you got to stay over, stay stable. So in answer to that grief question, you know, it, it, being right in that sweet spot of understanding that I'm not going to run away from it. And I'm not going to lean so far into it that it's painful. It's masochistic or damaging. You stay in that aspect.
1: And by the way, when we were on the slopes that, that day, you didn't explain it like that. (laughs) 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 Okay. So um, here's a question from Eileen. We
0: need therapy (laughs) from one ski experience.
1: (laughs) Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Gosh, there's lots of questions that have come in. Okay. Um, I understand. This is from Lynette. She's saying, I understand the need to get these things aligned, but how do we do it? What techniques to help get these things aligned do you have?
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> that that was the hardest part about writing this book. That was the hardest part about saying, well, the solution loop is alignment, ends up at alignment. And uh, Lynette, your question makes me kind of think I wish you were here so we could talk about it a little bit because it is a dynamic that you seek it's like alignment is similar to balance uh, our mutual friend Chris Latanzio says I know balance I recognize it every time I swing right by it right <laughs> and so alignment's kind of the same thing I know alignment but it's a dynamic it's almost this uh, uh, notion of being able to find it and play in it. And then when it goes away, bring it back together. So, yeah.
1: Okay. Wait. So here's another one. Um, I'm curious how autobiographical this book is. Are you on the other side and how does it end?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know how it ends and, uh, kick the bucket really, right? right? Yeah. It's totally autobiographical. It's so, it was interesting last night. I was uh, staying up late and I was reading my own book. I'm going into Audible to read the book. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of get through and make sure that I just do it right. Reading the book, I was going, oh, yeah. And and just this reminder, of, I know what that means when it talks about him creating a business and being stubborn or something else, the ant, I should say. And then the elephant. And I was going, gosh, that was exactly. It was. It was such an easy story to write. It's yeah. definitely a story of the hero's journey, and how does it end? I'll give away the ending. Right? There is no ending. <laughs> there is. It, it's really in this in the, the that space of hope, and hope is um, again a trivial piece of advice. It can seem that way, but it really is the the ticket to be able to stay in that zone of being perpendicular, staying over your skis, staying over your balance, no matter what you're dealing with at any given time.
1: Okay, that was a great answer. Um, All right, so Eileen is asking a question. What a great chemistry you two have. I was wondering how you manage your free time and work time. Do you find yourself working 24 Mm seven or how do you create personal time with two business leaders in one household? I want to hear how you answer that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's fact is uh, after 25 years, we're, we, when we were married, we got married, we were best friends. Yeah. And today we're best friends. And so marrying your best friend is really kind of handy (laughs) and, uh, but we're, both very much drivers as you picked up. And uh, you know, I have this theory for this might be spent speaking to the men in the world who are have the prospect of marrying a strong woman, is they don't want to push over, but they want their way all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and to have this dynamic of of somebody that wants their way all the time, I, one person gave me the advice, would you rather be right or happy, right? And so that I just, was
1: good advice. That
0: was good advice. I just, I just does it doesn't really matter. Um, and then there's this book called The Four Agreements, and one of them is uh, Don't Take Anything Personally, right? So, have if, you
1: read that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 What's the next question?
1: <laughs> okay. So, um, darn it. This is from Brian. Darn it, Vince. I'm too old to learn new tricks. We inherently become less flexible as we get old. Our overhead financially and emotionally is so much more. The earthquake has really rumbled my business. My competitors have pivoted so much faster than me and just putting in longer hours isn't working for me. I can't climb a mountain in the Himalayas. What do I do?
0: Yeah, real simple. Be happy now. It's, uh, it's, it's so, That's af- such good advice. oh yeah, it's yeah. just, there's so many things we can compare ourselves to Yeah, other relationships, other businesses. And, uh, there's so much damage that may have occurred in the past. That makes us feel like, oh gosh, I, when I was r- ski racing, I was uh, selling real estate and I figured out quickly that nobody sponsors, nobody when you're nobody. <laughs> and so for me to be my own sponsor, at times I would be with people who are very, you know, in their seventies or eighties selling their house. And to a person, they were crusty. They were cynical. They didn't trust me. And I'm why don't you trust me? I'm 27 years old. I have no ill intent. And I started to realize over time, Brian, that we <laughs> all, as we get older, we start to get more cynical yeah. and start to feel that, well, that's the truth. That's the reality that, People can't be trusted. That's all stuff from the past. And then fearing what could happen in the future. Uh, that, how's that working out for you? You know, so if you can just simplify it and be happy now, you're going mm-hmm. to find whatever patterns, whatever old habits that the t- learning new tricks, What the way you phrased it, it is just a mute, moot point. It's just be happy now.
1: Yeah. And be present.
0: Mm-hmm. now
1: you'll yeah. be happy in it okay Susan's asking the question no not Susan Jane sorry lots of questions Jane's asking the question was COVID an earthquake break down for me how this book will help me get through COVID
0: yes uh, COVID was an earthquake that happened and now we're experiencing aftershocks that we can't wrap our mind around it, it there is so much uncertainty you to, to a person when we talk to leaders of companies, when they pull us aside, when they pull me aside, they don't know what they're doing. They, they're they guessing because it's such a new frontier. When they come to their employees and they say, hey, this is where we're headed. We're all good. We feel good. I feel good. I love you. You know, that kind of thing. And then behind doors, they're going, I just don't, I hope this works real. You know? So COVID created such an, uh, a unique experience of self-reflection, and then the ripple effects from that self-reflection, the ripple effects from supply chain, Mm -hmm. the ripple effects from people saying, you know what? I don't really like this job. I'm (laughs) not going to go back. I'm not going to go back. There's all sorts of ripple effects and a ripple effect is a ripple effect. It goes out and out and out. So it has all these different consequences to where it ripples. And so of course it's going to be uncertain and all the more reason to Brian's question, you know, can you be happy now? Right. I mean, we, you know, the experience of having our college age kids back home during COVID was wonderful. I wonderful. mean, we had such yeah. a great time. I'm real blessed. Yeah. And we've had such a blast and there's ripple effects from that relationship that we got to know each other so much better. You know, as so, adults, right? As adults, I mean, just and and then there's downsides to it. There's, uh, yeah, I got COVID, and there's some long COVID. Um, so how do you use the so solution? Deal with
1: it. How do you use the solution loop for the COVID pandemic?
0: That's just it. it the solution loop is a process, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, your question is infused with what's the linear formula, right? Yeah. You're asking me. What is the linear forward yeah. formula to apply the solution loop? No, right. what is the dynamic at play, right? Uh, what stage are you at? Are, am I, do I have to go back to this contradiction of my subconscious mind just headed in the wrong direction? Is that something, is there evidence of that? Like, yes, I'm climbing out of the shower, look in the mirror, go, nope, not working. So then go back to, you know, so there's all sorts of that.
1: Okay, hopefully that answers your question.
0: Yeah, it's, there is no real, Black yeah, we, and white answer. It's all not want, binary.
1: We want the golden ticket, right?
0: Yeah. And the society we're in is so binary. Is it are you on this side or that side? Yeah. Is it up or is it down? Is it the right side or the left side? You know, it's <laughs> yeah. There's there's so much more to it.
1: Okay, so um, I think it's Orion is how you say. Um yeah. I really want to bring this message to my employees other than giving them Vince's book. What can I do to get this message to them? Are you doing, are you going to develop a workshop for this?
0: Yes. Yes. Create a workshop. Uh, Yes. Have a keynote surrounding it. And Orion, the best thing you can do is communicate. Uh, It's just so important to be able to have these conversations occur and a great way to start a conversation is to say where I wanna end up. So if, you've, if it's a, a, an employee, for example, you say, where I wanna end up is to make sure you're really enjoying your job and that we're just enriching this company together. Okay, that's where I wanna end up. How are you doing? What's going on? <clears throat> and so then that employee starts to answer that based on the end result that you're aiming towards. That conversation, I thought of active listening as well, Orion, because social media is conditioning us in many, many ways to be one-way communicators. That's not active listening. (laughs) Active listening is to really understand what they're saying and then feed it back and say, if I hear you right, you're saying this. Mm -hmm. That's a completely different way than when they're talking, you're thinking, okay, what I'm gonna say next is this, or I'm gonna talk about myself or whatever. Keep those questions going. Questions are so much more powerful than just making statements along the way in that conversation you extend.
1: Good, good answer. Remember that later today with you and I, right? Yeah, yeah, you could. (laughs) Active listening.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's
1: yours. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Travis is asking the question, can you talk a little bit about writing and publishing a book? Glow's had so many great speakers on who have written books. What recommendations do you have for a business leader considering writing a book? Hmm. you've written many books
0: yeah this is the eighth book and yeah. i learned it actually from diana Bohr, one of our previous guests and she diana <laughs> talked about how you can actually uh, map out a book and i'll give it to you very very briefly um i wrote the first book was invincible principles mm-hmm. and what i did was i created an outline now the outline started with an it's almost like an idea um, a mind map, but similar to a mind map, where at the center is the message you wanna get across. Make sure that you you can have a working title, but the message, what's unique about this book, okay? For example, the the very center of this book was, there's no linear way out of chaos. Well, if that's the case, what would one chapter be about? What would another chapter be about? And you just kind of guess based on your expertise, of what each of those lines off that center is. Then each line becomes another sheet at the center of what that line is. So let's say one um, chapter was personify proactivity. Okay. So then sheet number two at the center would be personify proactivity. Well, if you wanted to personify that, what would you want to do? Well, it would be, um, I would think of a story like the pig story, in which I know what it is. But there'd be another line where I'd say Kaizen, which is consistent, never-ending improvement. Well, all those sheets would be then converted into a Word document with all the different lines about the chapter. And I know what the pig story is, but Kaizen, I would go research Kaizen. Oh, it was created in the 50s by this Japanese spell. I can't remember his name, but I would write that in the outline. It had a 160-page outline. Once you have your outline fleshed out and it's long and it's ready to go, you know the sequence, everything, you know how this is all going to lay out. Then as you know, I go on a retreat and I'm gone for at least five days. It's five to seven days. I wake up in the morning and start writing to that outline. And here's the rule. Don't look back. Do not look back. Just write to that outline. And then uh, once you get to the end of the day, you wake up the next morning and keep writing to the outline. Once you're done with that book, you are so sick of that book <laughs> that you will send it to an editor. You pay that person. Uh, the editor is a good editor is worth gold. Mm-hmm. They're weight in gold. And to have an editor come back and just try to make it all sense to make it make sense. And then the dynamic of getting the final strokes. You can write your own book. You literally can do that with a good editor. They can make it really shine.
1: Yeah. And you've done you're a very good writer. You've done. Eight books. Now, you get so, better.
0: You yeah. get the more you do something, the more yeah. weights you lift, the stronger you get at it. So yeah, there's yeah. a book by Stephen King called On Writing. I'd highly recommend that because it will help you. Or another Wait, book.
1: Stephen King, the, uh, the yeah, the horror. Oh no, no,
0: he wrote a book for authors. He said, <laughs> "Here's how you can be a good author." And yeah. um, Stephen Pressfield, is. The War of Art, another fantastic book for writers. So get those two books, and you'll um, it'll serve you in terms of your writing.
1: Okay, special question from a gentleman named Stephen. How do you suggest you deal with and support a widely overachieving older brother? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so funny. Huh? <laughs> so Stephen is my—he's a year younger than me. And Stephen, just, just know that what really <laughs> floats my boat is being able to cherry pick qualities from other people and growing up your fearlessness and your ability to be funny in any situation and your ability to step in without i mean things had to be so certain before to me before i moved forward as you know and i learned that from you i don't think i would have gotten to stepped into the olympic games until i really paid attention to how you stepped into situations but you didn't have an answer you just figured it out and i was like i can do that I call it the Yahoo theory. And if that you, Yahoo you can don't, do
1: it. You don't really call it that. You no. can say, we're not on network. It's called it. the
0: asshole theory. So if that asshole can do it, so can I. <laughs> All right, And
1: he does live by yeah. that. Okay. So um, we've just got a few minutes left. And I want to ask you a question. Um, so you're 60 years old now, mm-hmm. right? You, you've seen and you've done so much. You've experienced so much. You've had successes. You've had failures. What do you go back and tell Vince Vicente, who was 26 years old, just before the election?
0: What, what do I tell my 26-year-old self? Mm-hmm. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it took me a long time to realize, be happy now. And the second thing, actually, that just comes to mind is I, I defended perfectionism because I thought if you... Aimed at perfection, you could then always reach what you gained and you'd be happy. And then I went back to when I was a child, I was six years old, five years, four. And I showed this finger painting to my mom, and my mom gushed. She said, Oh, that's so beautiful. And all that. And I'm looking at it going, No, but my finger went off the page here. I didn't keep it in the lines. It wasn't perfect. Right. And then give yourself a break. Right. It just, give yourself a break. This is, this is going to take time.
1: And And it's a journey.
0: uh, Yeah. The journey is, it's such a cliche, but that's when you're happy. Now, when you're happy in this moment, then perfection has nothing to do with it. Uh, Perfection is bliss. a baby's job is bliss. So I'm aiming to get back to that baby without having my diaper changed. I think we can avoid that one. Yeah.
1: I don't want to go there either. (laughs) Yeah. No. Well,
0: we're going to leave you on that thought. Get that visual out of your mind.
1: (laughs) Okay. Wait. So before we wrap up, I want to remind everybody that we've got an event that's happening uh, in March. We're going to be speaking at it.
0: Yes. Yes. I'm so so excited actually to be part of that. This is a
1: breaking ground. I know. So tell people a little bit about what you're going to be speaking on.
0: You know, this Olympic story that you hear is, you know, easy to just, you know, blurt out, but the, 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 to have the, the wherewithal in your life, to be able to step into this uncertainty, to have the, that quality of courage that has somebody go, I can do this and then how to get there. So I'm going to pull in concepts from the ant and the elephant. I'm going to pull in concepts from the earthquake, but make it an experience. You will know what it feels like to go 135 miles an hour on skis and what it feels like to have the uncertainty to try and go towards the Olympic Games and then to have that experience of getting to those Olympic Games, which I uh, was able to share with family. So I'm sorry you weren't there at the time. You came up at the right came You appeared at the right time, but here we That's are. Okay.
1: That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Here we are high five, right? So, okay. Thank you, honey. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. I love you. Love you too. So Vince Bessenti, my husband, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) thank you for being with us today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Now you have a kind of a a view into a small little view into my life of what it's like every day living with someone like this. Wait
0: a minute. Do you kiss your guests at the end every time? No.
1: (laughs) They're usually on Zoom. Okay. So But if they were in
0: person, what? It depends on who it was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if there's a few guests in my seat that, yeah, if they were, I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Okay, so. um, Feel better. Yeah, so, okay, so thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed it. I loved having Vince here. This was fun. And the book really is fantastic. It's called the earthquake. November
0: 30th. It yeah. Comes out, be so.
1: sure and go out and order it. You can get it on Amazon now, right?
0: You pre-order it anywhere. Yeah. Pre-order yeah. it. You'll get it in the mail as soon as it's yeah. available
1: and soon to be a New York times bestseller again. He's a, this will be a second time because I'm sure it's going to hit it. So, um, thanks for joining us and remember, go check out our event March 3rd through the 6th in Dallas, Texas. And um, we hope to see you there face to face. It'll be nice to finally start seeing people face to face again. Uh, and, and last thing, remember the after show, the afterglow show is tomorrow at 10 a.m. with Sia and Aaron 10 a.m. Central. Thanks for joining, and God bless and stay safe. Bye bye.